And I, like, this should be right up my alley. It's historic. Boring, it's slow, and it's a, history, a series? Well, I was going to use better words, but yes. <laughs> Welcome to The Honesty Policy, Episode 4. I'm Patrick. And I'm Sarah. And this is a podcast about honest things. Whatever we're obsessed with, you will get our honest thoughts. Okay, what are we talking about today? Today's topic is books that changed or impacted my life. And and your life. Okay, we're not just talking about books that impacted. (laughs) You want me to talk about books Uh, that impacted your life. The title is Books That Impacted Our Life lives. Ah. There you go. Would you like to go first? You want me to go first? Uh, why don't you start? Okay. So the first book that I think I can name that made an impact on my life is called Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret by Judy Bloom. Classic. <laughs> Classic. Have you actually read it? Uh, I think I did read it. I don't remember. I-, I read one of them because Judy Bloom wrote several um, and there's there's some part in one of them where they're trying to increase their bus size. Yeah. Well, it's okay. So it was, sorry for the men and my dad who are listening to this. Um, it was big. Uh, I read it when I was, I want to say I was in third grade when I read it. Third or fourth grade. So pre period time but in the book it does talk for a girl about increasing your bust and about a menstrual cycle and those things and I'd never read anything in it and honestly I picked it up uh I think my mom let me buy it sight unseen because it had God in the title (laughs) are you there God it's me Margaret and I remember the cover now nowadays they've recover redone the cover and all that kind of stuff but on a less comical note, it was it was huge for me. I it, foundational in understanding being a teenage girl, like that that we didn't have. Now our children can watch shows even on the Disney show Disney Channel, and I'm using quoting fingers with real life actors, and it's way more mature than it probably should be for their age group. When you and I were growing up, there wasn't that. I mean, there wasn't Saved by the Bell was middle school maybe middle school years and that was the most mature and they definitely didn't talk about these things right in that so it blew my mind but it also gave me a foundation to not be afraid if that maybe i'm being too personal in the things we're talking about but for a girl these were some scary life changes puberty in general was scary life changes that i didn't we didn't talk about that in health class. You know, we, oh, well, you eventually talked about it in health class, but nobody listens to it in health class. <laughs> I should know because I taught at health sex ed, but it was, it was foundational for me. And I remember reading it like in secret. Like I remember having a flashlight in my room reading it. I remember like whisper talking about it with my friends at school because everybody was reading everybody all the girls that i was with was reading it i had a really good friend her name was april she was my little bff when we were younger and rocked our world reading this book there you go so you didn't know we were going that direction right off the bat i mean you're welcome yeah so are you there god it's me margaret by judy bloom was my first 
life impactual book. Actually, I read it controversial. I'm looking on Amazon. It says for ages 10 to 12. I think I was like eight or nine. Whoa. <laughs> Look at me reading controversial books. Okay. All right. What's your first one? Well, it's a little hard to top that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, I'm you, sorry. you came out, you came out I firing. I came out strong. Okay. You did. Uh, so I'm the youngest of three boys, and there were just books and stuff all around our house. And so... As I was looking for things to do, I found these books of Garfield comics. Mm-hmm. So as I was reading these Garfield comics, I would just read and read and read and just read them all over and over again. And eventually my dad says, hey, I, I'm i ready for you to read something else. I don't know if I kept talking about Garfield comics or if it, he just was ready uh, for me to do something else. And well, It's funny because nowadays comics and graphic novels is huge. But for when you and I were growing up, if you read a, I remember my grandmother saying that you know you need to read a real book you, yeah because it yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. considered real reading if it was a comic but anyway. right exactly so he said I want you to read this book and you know the where where are all the pictures it doesn't have pictures do the pictures <laughs> yeah. in your brain and now in a big kid book yeah it's a big kid book and I remember being excited about it and he said look if you like this and then he sort of revealed that they had you know thirty different you know, volumes, and it was the Hardy Boys Mysteries. And it's the old school Hardy Boys Mysteries, Blue Spine, the sort of profile of both uh, both Hardy Boys faces on it. And um, I don't remember which one he gave me. But as the starting one. As the are starting they in one. order? Like, the, like, are they numbered, like, the mystery grows as and they get older? Or is it just independent, like... So there's some... Uh, they There are very different... Uh, they've they've redone it several times. Now you're going off of, you know, thirty yes. years ago sure. memory for me. But the still crystal crystal clear, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, the old school, old school ones. My recollection of them is that they were much more um, just mystery of the week kind of thing. They, like Scooby Doo mysteries. I'm asking these questions. I've never read them. Um, more more serious. Like, do they have murder? Uh, I. It's it's never if there was murder, it wasn't treated like murder. Gotcha. It wasn't bloody, gruesome, okay. gory. It was mystery kind of thing. Gotcha. I, and I say that because these were printed, you know, before I was born. These sure. are these were older ones. As I was in the midst of reading them, there was a new series, Hardy Boys series, came out, whole new thing, and people died. In them, oh, and so it was like the teenage years. Yeah, it was a like it, it was a it was big a deal. Yeah, and there was a like whoa whoa, and I that's how I know the older how I can rest assured the older books were a little bit tamer. Is it was a big deal. There was a boat that somebody tried to crank it and they blew up, and oh. so it was like a whoa whoa. Yeah. This yeah. is not it's yeah. not your not your dad's Hardy yes. Boys mysteries yeah. kind of thing. But those were really the first. I'll use the same language. Those were the first real books that I yeah. read, and it was uh, it was not just impactful; it was life changing. Mm. Of that sense of this is amazing, this is incredible. The this story is... can be so grand in falling into, or the mysteries themselves that you found amazing. Uh, it was the process of reading for fun mm. being yeah. something that really was oh, yeah, yeah. fun, yeah. and it wasn't. Um, 
it felt bigger and more mature. It felt like a bigger deal. It, because it wasn't an assignment or a class or something, it felt like this was this is a cool thing. And so again, pre-internet, you don't have yeah. you don't have yeah. niche kind of communities that you can glam onto. Yeah, fan, so fanfare kind of thing. Yeah, you you kind of feel like I, I'm the only one who's ever experienced this, yeah. and this is amazing. And so that the Hardy Boys. Uh, books were when when we were talking about this and you said hey could you come up with a list of these that was the very first thing I thought Mm. of was yes this is a thing that impacted my life because you know it created this love of of reading absolutely and and it's still you know everybody has different uh experiences different enjoyment levels of all kinds of different things you know, I'm good at reading. I enjoy reading. So, of course, it makes sense that reading books would be something that I would like to do. But it was so powerful and, you know, has shaped the course of my life because I lean into things where there are books available and learning. Mm. And I went to school for a whole bunch of years. And and you like mysteries to this day. And I still like mysteries to this day. So this question is, if you'd read a romance first, would you have been a romance lover to this day? <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I think you know seven year old me would have been totally been swept into romance. Up. Can you imagine me walking in and being like, "What is a bodice ripper? What does that mean?" Don't your mother would have not approved, not been okay with that? Correct. She would. A man, my dad would have gotten in so much trouble. Oh my gosh! Like, if your daddy, <laughs> yeah, I didn't no. want him to read Garfield. Come on! <laughs> no, 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 no. All right, so that's my number one. The Hardy Boys books. Did you have a specific memory of one book in particular of those? Or just is sort of as lumped as all the books? They are... I'm sure there were some that I liked more than others. But the mystery of the week sort of... I I couldn't tell you a Scooby-Doo, where are you mystery that I liked more than the others. Because... They're all farmer blah, blah, blahs. Yeah. And they all, but they all hit, they know what their job yeah, is yeah, and, they and they all it well. hit it perfectly. Yeah. And so that's the same thing is, you know, whatever the mystery of the, you know, spooky ghost town or whatever yeah. it is, like yeah. it's, it, it all hit the exact right level that little me. Did you read them more than once? There were enough that um, as I got to the end of what we owned, Dad was able to get more, yeah, and so it it I didn't have to cycle cycle around very often because I think I did, we obviously didn't have all of them. There were fifty or sixty something of that original run, mm-hmm. and because it was the original run and they'd been out forever, he could find them probably cheap, too. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, for me, the Are You There, God's Me, Margaret. It also introduced romance. And no, I say romance. It's a teenager thing. But yeah. like crushes, that's probably a better way to say it. It, The opposite sex and sure. being having crushes on those. Again, all those things for me, it was... What, I had never heard of that terminology. What a crazy taboo book for I, you to be reading. I mean, that's me. Yeah. Hello. Breaking the Danger. rules. Danger. Breaking the rules yeah, yeah. every time with Judy Bloom. <laughs> There's a good sermon. There's a good uh, <laughs> podcast title for us. Breaking the Rules with Judy Bloom. Yeah, that's it. All right. So for my second one, um, it was Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. And this one was my first big book. I mm. mean, it's, I think it's like 400 and something pages. And I 
my mom found an old copy. I can still, it's a, it was a, had a red band on it. I mean, it was an old copy either at a used bookstore or at a yard sale or something. And it had, it had big words. <laughs> you know, it wasn't written in the, in the language of today. It was, now I'm a huge fan of Louisa May Alcott and I love, um, all things Louisa May Alcott. We can talk at another podcast about the time when we went to her family home in, oh, man. in we'll Concord, have, Massachusetts. Was it, Ma- it was Massachusetts. And we'll have to include the picture of oh my gosh. our two very <laughs> bewildered small children. That I was forced to go through this process and, of touring the, touring the house. And the, the sign out front where you are giddy. I just you could not could be happier. I barely stay in my own skin. And Piper and Andy are like, why? In the world are I'm, we at this old house this, with what this are we, person I mean, who's Pi- long dead? Piper, who... <laughs> Is would never no. even back then was, uh, Daddy, Daddy, is there a TV in this room? <laughs> uh, no, nope, no, sweetie, there's not going to be a TV no, in any no, of no, these no, rooms. No. This is where she lived, right? Where's the TV? <laughs> I said, well, she lived before. But TV. she loved birds, which I love birds, and she painted owls. Anyway, so <laughs> this book, I digress. Now it's like you with the WW whatever whatever's last week. Anyway, uh, excuse me. Okay, no, no, we're not going to go down the... No, we're, we're, we're going straight now. Yeah. We're going to straight back on to sure. focus on Little Women. For me, it was huge because, one, it was big in, in used words that I wasn't familiar with. I mm. mean, I remember having to look them up in the dictionary as I am reading it because I don't understand the phrasing or the words specifically used. It's poetic sounding. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely loved this story of four sisters and their uniqueness in character i mean fell in love and it was the first time i not only made it through a gigantic book on my own but i read it multiple times and then when i was in high school and the movie came now there was an old movie previously but i didn't like the old movie previous your version my version of little mermaid little mermaid oh gosh (laughs) (laughs) little women <laughs> so my version of Little Women was the Winona Ryder, Susan Sarandon, Claire Danes, Claire right? Danes. Um, Who's the Christian Bale? Yeah, Christian Bale was in it. Yeah. So I mean, that was my version to soundtrack and everything, and I loved these characters, and I I had dreams of being a writer at some day because of Joe March. So was huge. Absolutely loved Little Women. Still to this day, I absolutely adore Little Women. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. That's my number two. All right. My number two, I didn't even think about it this way, but it really feels like a continuation from the Hardy Boys of the next level up. Uh, My number two is uh, the works, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle works about Mm -hmm. Sherlock Holmes. And I figured you'd put this one in there. Yeah. Uh, this was, I started with a kid's version. I didn't realize oh. it at the time. There sure. was a kid's version. We still have it somewhere. I, I had. Yeah, I, in a box house. Yeah. I think. And it was a kid's version of, um, I think it had the sign of the four and uh, a couple of other short stories in it. And it was a very easy on-ramp, how they had edited it. For the younger audience. For a younger audience that I was hooked. Because 
it felt I had read enough Hardy Boys that I was almost growing out. I mean, it, it was sure. it was done. Even it, the new ones that were a little bit where people got murdered and things. Yeah, it it's still the. <laughs> I remember thinking, you know, I don't know how nuanced a media critic I was at 10 or whatever age it was, but I remember I remember thinking like, ah, eh, I wouldn't have had words for it. Sure. But looking back on it, the words would have been they were trying to do shock value. They didn't understand how to do a more mature story. So they still did a Hardy Boys story, but look, somebody dies in it. Like, yeah. okay, yeah. it's still yeah. Hardy Boys. Still Hardy Boys. Gotcha. And and so it still felt like it was on rails. It still felt like you knew it was going to happen. I mean, it's once it is one step up mm-hmm. from Scooby Doo. So Sherlock Holmes was weird, and the same way that the the uh, the writing in Little Women was different, mm-hmm. the plot and how it moved and what happened, you could all even the sanitized kid version. You could tell this is different. This is different. Something's going on, and it made me hunt down a a real copy of Sherlock Holmes. And I remember reading it. And that was my experience of, I don't know what these words are. Like, I don't know what they're doing. And I would be, you know, I'd be getting some of it. And then I would start getting more of it. And then all of a sudden, the dude would be dead. And like, real, for real dead. Like, whoa. Okay. And I remember it was one of the first times in any sort of form of media where... The good guy doesn't always win, and it doesn't always get wrapped up neatly. There are times where Sherlock Holmes, who is a private detective, he doesn't work for the you know for Scotland Yard, who his version of morality says, you know what, I don't need to let Scotland Yard know all about this. The right thing happened to the right person, and the wrong thing happened to the to the wrong person to the person that needed it, and it's okay. I was like, whoa, whoa, hold on. What is <laughs> he happening He was into here? the gray zone and you have never been there before. He, he would mock the police for uh, wasting their time looking at dumb stuff when it was obvious to him. Like, why, why aren't you looking here where this is going to help you do it? Um, he would, then there were times where he lost, where he was going for something. The police were aligned with him and it just wouldn't happen. Hmm. And... Is it all short stories or is it one big story with Sherlock Holmes and he has multiple mysteries or is it like three volumes all Sherlock Sherlock Holmes on in in Hawaii and then Sherlock Holmes in <laughs> with the Brady Bunch with the, like no <laughs> but like it's you know a it's a special <laughs> crossover episode where Jan gets lost with and Sherlock Holmes helps find her you know like no I but you mean like is it Sherlock Holmes in the some sort of murder, and is it Sherlock Holmes and the blah blah blah? And it's three of those. Is it? So it started out as short stories that were published in this magazine, The Strand. Oh, I remember you telling me about this. And you obviously were it stuck. so into it, it. It's. I'm just making sure the audience can get to hear the wealth of knowledge that you have. Continue. Yes. Continue. <laughs> so it started out as started out as short stories that were published uh, monthly in the Strand. So short stories all contained within one issue. Mm-hmm. So um, it exploded in popularity. The readership for the strand went crazy. Everybody loved this. Everybody wanted more copycats showed up immediately. It was huge. It was, it was incredible. And the popularity of it led to, to answer part of your question, primarily they are short stories. 
there are, I think, four novels, um, including the probably the most famous thing that people who don't know Sherlock Holmes would connect is Hound of the Baskervilles, because that is... Okay, I remember hearing that one. That's a thing that people hear. I don't like it. I don't like Hound of the Baskervilles. It's scary. Uh, it's, it's, yes, and Sherlock is not present for most of mm. the novel. And you like the intelligence behind it. That was that calls to that you. was the other piece was somebody was solving crimes by being smart. It wasn't by out punching, it wasn't by out shooting. It was they saw the same thing that everybody else in the room saw, but because they had one worked ahead of time to gather more knowledge and two chose to look at things in a different way. They were able to use their intelligence to help, even if it was sort of a, a unique morality. Sherlock had a, has a morality that he follows. He's not going to do this. He is going to do this. And he chooses his, his cases and chooses how he acts based on, a, based on that. But he uses his intelligence to be able to help uh, solve mysteries. I found that to be completely fascinating. You know, I mean, we grew up in the eighties and, yeah. you know, a team and Rambo and all of these kinds of things. You're just spraying machine gun fire everywhere you can. And the bad guys clutch their chest and fall down. Mm. And, um, and so for somebody to be able to figure out that the stepdad is trying to frighten the stepdaughter so that she doesn't get married so that she'll stay and he can keep living off of her inheritance by using uh, a snake that he's trained to go into like nobody's doing stuff like that right like well and it makes sense like i mean it, for the reason that you love sherlock holmes would be the, for re the reason that i would not be able to read sherlock holmes it's like you and i in escape room you're looking and thinking of all the logical things of all the puzzles. And I'm like, uh, I'm going to just open every door. I'm just going to pull every button because I have no idea. I don't want to figure I don't know how to figure this out. But Spe speaking of escape rooms. Oh, we can't. Just tell tell the strategy you heard recently that someone who doesn't like escape rooms. <laughs> so, uh, I have a friend who mentioned, you know, she doesn't like uh, escape rooms. And <laughs> she goes, ends up going and... Because she doesn't like it and she doesn't like feeling stupid, which is what I would feel in an escape room as well, she just starts naming things. And she'll read everything off the wall, like any words in the room, and and then trust that the smart people in the room are going to go, wait a minute, someone just said something about blah, blah, blah. Well, that goes with da, 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 da. And then they can figure out. So she said, it's like I'm figuring it out with them, although I just read things in the room. And I was like, that's genius. I need to do that. And then I did an escape room, and I that's very hard. I... I I felt like I just eventually just kept a blank look on my face because I... Did you run out of things to say? Well, not like that. Well, no, but yes. <laughs> you know, like... I mean, because uh, we did. Made... You're going to take me to an escape I, room? I, I, we've never done an Next escape date room. night, <laughs> I really want to do an escape... No, I, I know what you're doing there. Um, I felt like... So where you thrived and it piqued your interest of the information, not the being a strong man to finish this out, but a guy who actually figures it out. That part, I would feel so intimidated by, it would deter me from Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. So, anyway. It's also very much of its time. Like, it's... Uh, sure. Well, did you like the Sherlock Holmes redos that they've done recently with either Benedict Cumber 
I never said anything. Come on. You got, you were so close. You were about to land it. I always say Kemper Bottom, but it's not Kemper Bottom. It's Kemper Batch. Look at you. Patrick has to mouth it to me. No, no. And then, um, and then the other one with, um. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, that one. So. Uh, you know, like. People who are super fans of things, it's uh, people who aren't. It's so annoying to listen to super fans uh, critique. I, the uh, I'm asking you to do it. I know. For, listen for our public. Okay. All right. Our tens. The tens of, of listeners that are going to be listening have. to this, they want to know what so, you think of those things. Uh, the first season and a half of the BBC Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, Not Cumberbottom. Correct. That's a that's a different one. It's uh, a whole different thing. You don't want to watch that. Don't Sherlock. Google that. Do not. Do not. Uh, the, whoa! I'm watching the wrong Sherlock. Holy cow! I haven't seen Sherlock once in this. <laughs> that doesn't feel like proper police work. Sarah, watch this. What is that? Sorry. We're back. Yes. Hello. So the about the first season and a half of it was some of the best modern interpretation I've ever seen. So clever, so thoughtful. It had nods to those of us who could get it, but it was not so self-referential. That those of us who would not have put two and two together. You still enjoyed it. And I could still put things together yeah. visually. So maybe it's, I'm not good at, I, that's, that's true in all things. I do better visually than I do reading it. So, Which is interesting about all, how much you love reading. I know, that is funny. I never, honestly, I never put that together. I love to read, but I love stories. I don't love for information. That's, <laughs> that's something different about what I read. So anyway. <laughs> so the uh, BBC one, first season and a half, excellent. And then it, I think it lost its way and it just became sure. goofball. Uh, the first movie with Robert Downey Jr. was interesting and good, and then it just became an action movie yeah. with a guy named Sherlock, and yeah. that's and that's fine. Again, but the like, reason why you loved it was because it wasn't about the bronze; it was about brains. Uh, yeah, and it it because they're all short stories, trying to make longer things out of them. Um, I think it it always just eventually falls apart because you can't be clever for an hour and a half. Because people who don't care about being clever for an hour and a half feel like they are being insulted. They're they're being insulted. Yeah. Like, oh, let's look at the smart guy solve the mystery again. The very yeah. thing I like, they eventually have to pivot away so that they have enough people to watch it. I think, and they're I don't too know how smart. I don't. I know. It sounds. Joes. See, this is it. It sounds so obnoxious when I say it, so I try not to say it. But like, I'm not saying that. I I recognize this is a niche kind of thing. And I am here for it. I've got multiple yeah. copies. I have the fancy. We yeah. completed the fancy three set volume yeah. set with like study notes. Yes. Like I'm into it. Tell them what uh, DVDs you got for Christmas. Oh, so one of my favorite. Uh, Sorry, we're sticking here for a little bit, people. Yeah, just just park right here. One of my favorite uh, Sherlock uh, sort of renditions. Yeah, is a uh, PBS version. I guess it was BBC Two, um, but it was in the 80s and uh the height of movie making television making oh yeah because you can tell was it television or was it movie oh it It was was television television. it was television and i would i would catch these and uh you know some on the on pbs i would catch these and i never caught very many of them but anytime it was magic like you could watch these it was 45 minutes to an hour they'd knock out an episode it would be faithful to the like it it was good for what I wanted. I 
thought, you know, I haven't seen those in forever. I couldn't figure out where to find them. They were on one of those um, British streaming channel mm-hmm. things you can get. They don't have. Was, yeah, and I was like, well, why don't we just find the DVDs of them? Turns out they made 46 episodes of this. So I got A the... A lot com- of Sherlock Holmes. I got the complete version of that. Do they cover every short story? You know, I don't... I don't know. I'm not. I don't know how many short stories okay. there are. I don't think they do, but I think they they very well could. But um, I think the guy playing Sherlock got sick, and so they had to stop oh. filming them. But uh, the it is it is 1980s public television level budget. So like, prepare yourself. So for, for all of those tens of people who listen to us, if you when you want to borrow some of the DVDs, we're gonna have to have like a rotation system. Jeremy Brett. Jeremy Brett is the Sherlock. Sure, they're all going to know that name. Yeah, and you're going to want to you're going to go, you're, oh, you're going to okay. want to be on a rotation to rent out the DVDs. Cause... Or we could just get everybody together for a big oh, watching oh, no, party no, no, here no, at the no, house. We're not going to. We're, we're busy. We could have Charlotte, we're real Sherlock busy. themed snacks. We're 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 real busy. Um, that day. So that yeah, day that we're day busy. we were going to be really busy. Okay. I'm not sure what we're doing, but we're going to be really sure. busy then. So okay, so uh, Sherlock, my number two. <laughs> number two. All right, for my number three, I had a book we're going to um, shift a little bit. I read this book in uh, late high school. I don't think I was in college yet. I want to say it was my senior year. I had a rough junior and senior year of high school. We had moved to a different city, and I no longer had a youth group that I was involved in, and I struggled a lot in those two years. And it was presented to me by um, a woman in our church, the book is called Lover of My Soul by Alan D. Wright. And I had not read a lot of Christian education books as a teenager, weirdly enough. I was not into that much. I thought some of the Christian stuff was kind of crappy. Um, but they had suggested it to me. I'm not sure why, but I did. I read it. And it really changed my... Um, my understanding of a relationship with God. Uh, it takes, it teaches basically that, you, you know, God and Jesus, you are to be in a love relationship with them and how you would equate a relationship modern day, meaning it's evolution of getting to know one another and dating and falling in love, but then also being in a relationship with someone and cultivating that relationship, growing it, spending time together being open and vulnerable, like all the things that we would say would be attributes or, or things you needed to do within a relationship were things that you were supposed to do in your relationship with God. And it kind of blew my mind a little bit. And my faith walk really took off there and understanding that I can't just check a box on a Sunday and go to church and call it good. You know, it was more, I, I have to work at this and I'm going to have to grow in my relationship and in my understanding of who God is and then how I interact with God. And how do you do that when God's not present? You know, I didn't, I really, even though I'd been brought up in a Christian home, it wasn't until I was in high school that I really understood that this was a relationship that I want to have for the rest of my life. I want to be committed to for the rest of my life and I want it to grow and that I have to do something in order for it to grow. So it's not a great book necessarily to like, I'm sure now if I went back and read it, I'd be like, this is what moved you spiritually. But 
it really did. It rocked my understanding of a relationship with Christ. And uh, so that was Lover of My Soul by Alan D. Wright. That's my number three. Nice. I took us to a serious place. You did. Well, I'm going to keep us here. Oh, We're okay. just going to park it. So your three is going to be serious. My three is going to be serious. Okay. So uh, as a young pastor, I was struggling because I was in a small town uh, where many of my congregants, many of the people in the town were not like me. Hmm. And I very, you know, it's human nature. You look around, you see everybody else is feels like they get it and you don't get it yeah. and you know what's wrong with me sure and why isn't this easier why isn't this better and I could have told you I knew being a pastor was going to be difficult I could have told you I knew it was not going to be a cakewalk it wasn't mm-hmm. going to be fun all the time but it felt so incredibly hard that it was beyond what my anticipation of it was. And that's when uh, I discovered Eugene Peterson. Mm. And Eugene Peterson uh, was an author and a poet. He translated scripture into a paraphrase called The Message. Um, and Is he the only one that's done that? Like, nobody else has done anything else? Oh, there's been lots of people who've done things. Translations to... of scripture. Yeah, lots of people. But it's not been as... Why sort of popular, sure. um, you know, popular is a strong term because yeah. all of these yeah. little niche, you'd have yeah. some of our seminary people would be yelling at us because yes. like, of course yes. it's popular. Let me yes. list off all of these and acronyms. The of... other tens <laughs> would go, who? Who's that? So um, as a, as a early 20 somethings pastor, um, the first book I picked up was a book that he wrote called Under the Unpredictable Plant. And it used the story of Jonah and framed it in terms of pastoring. And so at the beginning of the book, he, he writes, Why do pastors have such a difficult time being pastors? Because we are awash in idolatry. Where two or three are gathered together and the name of God comes up, a committee is formed for making an idol. We want gods that are not gods so that we can, quote, be as gods. The idolatry to which pastors are conspicuously liable is not personal, but vocational. The idolatry of a religious career that we can take charge of and manage. Mm. The pastoral vocation in America is embarrassingly banal. It is banal because it is pursued under the canons of job efficiency and career management. It's banal because it is reduced to the dimensions of a job description. It's banal because it's an idol, a call from God exchanged for an offer by the devil for work that can be measured and manipulated at the convenience of the worker. Holiness is not banal. Holiness is blazing. This is page four that he wrote this on. And I was like, what is happening? So this was... He doesn't hide anything on that one. And it wasn't just the content. You can tell sort of the lyrical movement of it. You Mm -hmm. can tell this guy knows how to use words. He is thoughtful in the way that he frames them, which is something that speaks to my soul. And so, and he's going to move slowly, which if we had 15 (laughs) books on this list, the last 10 of them would be books where two things happen and I love it. You know, I love a slow one. Oh, give me a slow burn book. I've had so many times where books before I realized this books, I recommended to people, they came back to me and said, what, what, 
Why? Why? <laughs> your what? dad. Oh my goodness. Your dad. Shout out Jim Devane. Thought you read this? This is yeah. so slow. And Nothing path- <laughs> has happened. Nothing has happened. In fact, was like, I know, isn't it wonderful? Uh, it's, you just feel immersed in the nothingness. So it's, uh, anyway, this was a lifeline for me that the kind of thoughtful, intelligent, honest, pastoral work I want to do, there is a place for in God's kingdom. There is a place where that can resonate and speak, and it may not look or uh, appeal to as wide a group as the the daydreams could have been, but there has been, for the last however long I've been doing this, a group of people who resonate uh, strongly with the framing of, we're going to be honest about the struggles, we're going to be honest about the temptations, we're going to be honest about what this looks like and what this life looks like, and we're going to wrestle with it together. Mm -hmm. It's going to be weird, and we're going to make mistakes, and the people who are too Pharisees and too interested in getting the check marks from God because they're out-holying everybody else, they're going to get tired of us, thank God, they move on finally, but... Like the was this suggested to you in seminary reading or you? you oh were yeah. Already... yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. I just never bothered to read it. Gotcha. Well, uh, so you in seminary time didn't need it. it was exactly. You as a pastor that needed it. I I didn't even buy it. It was sitting on my shelf. Oh, I had gotcha. moved it with me. Oh, interesting. And so it was there, and it was one of those days where I went, well, all right, I'll just pick this one up, and I could not it's stop. Your mind. Yeah, and he's written a lot of stuff. It was really powerful, and um. Just a really, really meaningful guy. And how people feel about Eugene Peterson is a very good litmus test for how I'm going to feel about those people. Because if they don't like him and, you know, find his, you know... Well, if they, you mean if they only think of him as the message? No. There oh. are people who do not like him. Oh, interesting. And uh, it's going to be a good barometer of are we going to mesh well or is this going to be somebody who I'm probably going to be sort of peripheral with Hmm. so interesting number three under the unpredictable plant by Eugene Peterson all right my number four and hopefully we still have a listener or two who's still listening to us um my number four is uh, a book called rocket fuel um I read this one after I think it was probably 2019. No, I read it in 2020. Um, so COVID year. Um, I had been in a in a position for a while as an interim and tried out for a job and didn't get the job and was really devastated in that whole process and. I don't, I don't even know how I came across this book. I don't know if it was from a podcast of another somebody. I don't, I don't even know how it came on my radar. But Rocket Fuel by uh, Gino Wickham talks about there are two types of individuals um, in, in the office or in the world. One is called a visionary and the other is called an integrator. Isn't that what I... Yes. Yes, integrator. Um it, the title of the book says Rocket Fuel, the one essential combination that will get you more from what you want from your business, which sounds weird because I wasn't 
I didn't have a business at the time. Um, this is the book for me. This is the book for me. And it seems like a snooze fest. But um, this, or normally this is a Sarah snooze fest. But I gobbled it up because it talked about there are, in these two individuals, either a visionary or an integrator. I realized there's even a little quiz, which I'm a sucker for a little quiz, but um, it helped me to understand that I am an integrator. So what what does that mean? So now you're going to have to quiz me because I, integrator is basically someone who can get the, the nuts and bolts, the pieces here. I'm just going to read the little bio thing. Okay. Visionaries have groundbreaking ideas. Integrators make those ideas a reality. So, you and I, you are an incredible visionary. You can look at, we should try this. Now, how to do that? I don't know. But this would be a really good idea to do that. I am not a good visionary. Now, I can come up with where our family should eat for dinner, you know, or some of those kind of things that our family knows. But the logistics of how to get it together, I I thought I was fully an integrator. And then I took the quiz and it showed that I was, I had parts of both and I didn't understand that partly the jobs that I had had I was only getting jobs that either were visionary or were integrator and I wasn't finding jobs that were a mixture of the both and it it helped me to understand more of who I am and how I can navigate and how I can be an asset to you to others in ministry. Um, and then honestly, for me, it rocked my world because the, I was in a place where I didn't 100% know which path I was going to take and what I needed to do for a living, where I would grow in what I was capable of doing. And this, for whatever reason, it hit the right spot. It gave me the courage to acknowledge my gifts and who I am, but also what potential I have and it's hard to find books that give you potential but also define help to define who you are uh so anyway that by Gino Wickham there are actually people on like LinkedIn who will list their instead of putting like I'm an entrepreneur looking for blah 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 it'll say integrator seeking an a visionary or a visionary seeking an integrator interesting and it it's like code words yeah. within this whole business world structure of marrying the two because it talks about for a business, specifically in this context, a business to succeed, it needs a partnership of that. And one of the things I think you and I had talked about back when I read the book was that's our marriage. There are, But both of us are visionaries and integrators. Your job specifically as a pastor, there's parts of you being a pastor that you need to be visionary in order to lead a church but you also have to be an integrator to get the day-to-day stuff done and know yeah. how to put people in their places to know how to get help and all those things. And that's me. But for you and I to work so well together, we balance that well. And it it just, it made so much sense to me. But it, what I got most was it gave me the courage to acknowledge how I am gifted and what I can do with it. So nice. that one made a big impact. I, on a side note, did put on my, on my LinkedIn, I put on there an integrator, seek a part, what did I put? I put a part, integrator, integrator part, visionary on my LinkedIn, and I got nothing. So, (laughs) I don't know what what that says about the book, but it was, it was impactful for me. Yeah. 
Impactful? That's what I was trying to say. And I said impactful. And I was like, all of a sudden going, wait a minute, that's not the right word. But now I'm saying it online. So everyone's going to hear it. So maybe it was both. It this, was- and this, this is a good example of how I say so many things all the time. And I'll say a word and go, is that the word? Is that, <laughs> is that, that, what, is that what I mean? Because we both that, paused yeah, and looked. We, both, we, we looked at each other. Impactual? <laughs> Impact, impactful. I don't know what I'm saying. Wouldn't that be amazing on the, <laughs> like a blurb on the front cover is this book is both impactual, impactual and, and in, impact. See, now I've already lost the word. Okay. Okay. There we go. You need to go with your number four. All right. Number four for me. So this is a book that uh, won the Pulitzer Prize. It also led to two sequels. I think there's three books total in the series. I think all three books won the Pulitzer Prize. Wow. It was well received by just about everybody. One of my friends who doesn't really read fiction raved about it, said, if you read, if you read fiction books, you have to read this. And, um, the reason that it impacted my life so much is that I hated it. Hated it. Oh, I it. thought you were going to actually say that you really liked it. No, see, that's the curveball. That's the, the tens of people still listening are just riveted. I think we've lost most of them at this point. <laughs> the, the, our parents still listening are going, wow. Only because biologically they have to. Yeah, it's the law. It is. Um, we love you, Mom and Dad. Anyway, the, they're going, what? What's the book? What's the book? Tell me the name <laughs> of it now. Sitting on the edge of my seat. And uh, the book is uh, Wolf Hall by Hilary Mantel. And it is the story of Thomas Cramner, one of the um, advisors. Is a movie out of this? Uh, I think they're making a show or a movie okay. or something. Um, Thomas Cramner, the advisor to uh, Henry VIII, and it sort of goes through his life. And I, like, this should be right up my alley. It's historic. Boring, it's slow, and it's a, hist- a series? Well, I was going to use better words, but yes. <laughs> uh, and so this is the kind of thing that... Um, it's uh, this is the kind of thing that that I thought was going to be just fantastic, and I got about two thirds of the way through the book and was hating life. Not only was I hating life, but everyone in the house was hating life because of how much I was hating life. Because the the way that she wrote the character graded on me to such I think an extent. I remember this. That I could not stop talking about how much I was detesting this book. At which point you asked a fairly reasonable question. <laughs> Why don't you stop reading the book, you moron? I suggested you DNF it, which for those of you who are not readers is did not finish. So Yeah, and I don't DNF books. That's not what I do. It's not in your DNA. It's not to my DNF. Yeah, it sounds like we're talking about something else. But uh, it, <laughs> we, I just, I was like, no, no, I can't do it. I have to finish it. And you would say, why? Why you're getting angry? You're getting grumpy about this. Yes, book. and you are. No one's paying you to do this. You are unpleasant to be around when you are like this, and we don't want this. Our family, <laughs> please. We're begging you. Please, Daddy. Please stop don't. reading the book. Please stop reading the book. And so, as silly as it sounds, the freedom to walk away from a book that I didn't like. Um, I don't like walking away from things. I like completing things. I want to give it... You need the order in that. If I started it, I completed it. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. I, there are a few things in my life that are structured and have order. So when I have the ability to, in my free time, do things, I want them to have some sort of structure and order because they that helps me to feel better about things. And so 
it was one of the first books, if not the first book, that I ever DNF'd. And the freedom to pick something up... Was it just the first one you got, you didn't, you DNF'd? Or did you get further into the series? Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't even make... I I put down the first one, and every time I see the other two, I I hit. Horrible. Yeah, and you have to hear me talk a little bit about it. And um, so you're welcome. (laughs) But the... What I realized... And and the reason that it's impactful, I mean, other than just like, hey, look at look at him growing up, look, you know, yeah. is I realized there were so many books that I I didn't even try because I was afraid I wasn't going to be able to finish it, and my reading breadth mm-hmm. uh, expanded when I had the freedom in my arsenal to be like, nope. I to pick up a book and put it down if it doesn't fit. Yes, gotcha. I didn't even because I saw it as a sign of weakness. But what I was doing was overcompensating in the actual book selection of narrowing my choices so that I had a higher percentage. And there's nothing wrong with that if you want to do that. But I am interested in weird, different books that that you know might hit. Yeah. But weird, different books that might hit also. There's a there's a lower batting average because they will strike out very often, either because sure. of how the author writes or the actual story isn't as good as was promised. Um, so it changed the way that I pleasure read mm-hmm. by opening me up to even more things because I had the freedom to... Because of this horrible book. Because of this horrible book that everyone else in the world loves. And that's fine. They're all allowed to have bad taste. But they... <laughs> it is... It is... And no, I, I joke. I kid. It's our podcast and our opinion. Honesty policy. Honesty policy. Uh, it, they are allowed to have their taste. It's fine. Um, but it was not for me. And... The growth that came from that, yeah, I still, I feel stupid. I feel like I need to qualify and apologize. No, you learned but a DNF. I learned a DNF and it was, it was a delight to DNF. Well, good. So we're not going to keep you going because we've talked a lot. We're not going to do a top 10 books. No, no Probably no. just because we couldn't think of 10 books that yeah. impacted our life. So we are now going to switch to your favorite subject. Everybody, listeners, loves our bees. Knees. We need a we need a jingle. And lingo, like an internal lingo for lingo, or like jingle. jingle. I'm, I'm talking music. We okay, need sorry. like a little music thing. What is lingo then? Lingo's like language. Who knows that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a pretty right, well known thing. Okay, sure, sure. Okay, all right. Bees knees. Uh huh. Do you want to go first this time? Uh, well, the um. Yeah, my bee knee for uh, today. <laughs> One of these days, you're going to go with the bee's knees. Well, I would, but it bothers you. And that makes... Maybe that's my bee knee, is oh, watching you be no. bothered. No, no, no. Okay, now I feel bad about it. I was more teasing. Uh, my bee's knees for this week is um, the ability to access running water. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we did not know that that was such a cool bee's knees option. Uh, Running water. Running water. um, The Patrick uh, review of running water, two thumbs up. You will miss it when it's gone. Well, you don't have it. Yeah. 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 There was some sort of water main break uh, that affected (laughs) our, uh, our house. And so... You know, it was not a big deal. For about 12 hours, we didh't have running water. But but... you know who needs to go to the bathroom? We don't have uh, running water? Everybody in this house. 
we made schedules and shifts about what we were doing and how we we're going to do it. Yep. I haven't had a little rhyme that nobody liked about yeah, I, what we were going to do. Don't share it. Share okay. it here. All right. It's not appropriate here, Message but. me if you want to hear the rhyme. <laughs> uh, but the... Um, so I, I kid. We're very thankful. The water's back. Everything's fine. Yeah. Everything's good. So my real bee's knees this week is uh, the D&D group that we have that meets on Thursday nights. And it is uh, friends, church members, random people. On the computer, like through Discord, not through yeah. Zoom. But not in person, I mean. Yeah, it's not in person. We do it online because uh, there are lots of people scattered That's all. That's the word online. I couldn't even get I was like, why, why does it matter we do it on Discord? Like you're really... I couldn't think of the word online. Okay. What has happened with me? To me. See? I can't even talk. What's my name? I don't know. Okay. So uh, we... Uh, D&D. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And it was super duper fun this week. How many times have you say fun? It's fun. It was super it was duper fun. Super it duper was lots of fun. fun. I really enjoyed it and it made me laugh. So you are the dungeon master. I am. And then there are six, six of us. Seven, seven yeah. of us who play. Yeah. Um and it is lots of fun. You're an incredible D and D. No, dungeon oh, master. No. It See, re- it really I'm not something okay. wrong with my mouth. It's All not right. working right. Let's buckle up because now it's your turn. Because I have to do my bee's knees. Here we go, Here everybody. We go. Here All we right, go. everybody. Prayers so, up. Here we go. <laughs> um we found, or I found, a really fun snack um, through one of my favorite stores is Marshall's. Um, I love the randomness that is Marshall's because um, you never know what you're going to find in there. Hence the dessert I found in there or a snack I found. It is called Just the Fun Part Waffle Cone Bites. And all of us have had, do they call them... Uh, what do they call um, drumsticks? Drumsticks. Thank you. The the frozen ice cream drumstick. It's a it's a, a tight waffle cone that's coated in chocolate, and then you have that little ball of ice cream on top that's usually coated in chocolate and nuts of some sort. They have other variations of it now, but that when you the best part of that entire experience is the last two bites of that waffle cone because all the chocolate settles in the bottom. Well, you can buy just the fun part waffle cone bites, and it literally is. The bottom of the waffle cone with chocolate in the bottom. And you um, bought two different kinds. And they make more. Oh. So I looked on Amazon, which is going to blow our mind. But in the store, they only had vanilla, milk chocolate, and dark chocolate. Sure. Obviously, I picked milk chocolate and dark chocolate. For science. For science. But they are amazing. Yeah. The Just the Fun Part is the name of the the company or, or the brand. So good. That brings me joy. That is my bee's knees, is just the fun part, waffle cone bites. Awesome. Okay. Uh, in the show notes, uh, we will. I'll try and link uh, the books that we talked about. And so if you want to look at them on Amazon, you can. And uh, if if you found it on Amazon, we'll link the... Oh, yeah. The just the fun... Because they have all kinds of flavors. Which are yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do that, too. Yeah. So make sure you check the show notes if you're interested in any of the things that we did. Remember, and... you can also email us at any time at devaneworld at gmail.com. Yes, we would um, love to hear from you. And really, if you are friends, our family, or anybody, we'd like to know that you're listening to it. Um, this has been cathartic and fun for us, and we love sharing it with you. So we hope you enjoyed today's episode of Books That Impacted Our Life. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.